Chapter Eighteen of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One, by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Eighteen. No mother's care shielded my infant innocence with prayer. Mother, miscalled, farewell. Savage. The happy period so long and anxiously anticipated by the ladies of Glenfern at length arrived and Lady Juliana presented to the house of Douglas, not, alas, the ardently desired heir to its ancient consequence, but twin daughters who could only be regarded as additional burdens on its poverty. The old gentleman's disappointment was excessive, and as he paced up and down the parlour with his hands in his pockets, he muttered, Twa lasses! I never heard tell o' the like it. I wonder whar their tortures are to come frae. Miss Grizzy, in great perturbation, declared it certainly was a great pity it had so happened, but these things couldn't be helped. She was sure Lady Maclaughlan would be greatly surprised. Miss Jacky saw no cause for regret, and promised herself an endless source of delight in forming the minds and training the ideas of her infant nieces. Miss Nicky wondered how they were to be nursed. She was afraid Lady Juliana would not be able for both, and wet-nurses had such stomachs. Henry, meanwhile, whose love had all revived in anxiety for the safety and anguish for the sufferings of his youthful partner, had hastened to her apartment, and kneeling by her side, he pressed her hands to his lips with feelings of the deepest emotion. "'Dearer, a thousand times dearer to me than ever,' whispered he as he fondly embraced her and those sweet pledges of our love ah don't mention them interrupted his lady in a languid tone how very provoking i hate girls so and two of them oh and she sighed deeply her husband sighed too but from a different cause the nurse now appeared and approached with her helpless charges and both parents for the first time looked on their own offspring what nice little creatures said the delighted father as taking them in his arms he imprinted the first kiss on the innocent faces of his daughters and then held them to their mother who turning from them with disgust exclaimed how can you kiss them harry they are so ugly and they squall so oh do for heaven's sake take them away and see there is poor psyche quite wretched at being so long away from me pray put her on the bed she will grow fond of her babies by and by said poor henry to himself as he quitted the apartment with feelings very different from those with which he entered it at the pressing solicitations of her husband the fashionable mother was prevailed upon to attempt nursing one of her poor starving infants but the first trial proved also the last as she declared nothing upon earth should ever induce her to perform so odious an office and as Henry's entreaties and her aunt's remonstrances served alike to irritate and agitate her, the contest was, by the advice of her medical attendant, completely given up. A wet nurse was therefore procured, but as she refused to undertake both children, and the old gentleman would not hear of having two such encumbrances in his family, it was settled, to the unspeakable delight of the maiden sisters, that the youngest should be entrusted entirely to their management and brought up by hand. The consequence was such as might have been foreseen. The child, who was naturally weak and delicate at its birth, 
daily lost a portion of its little strength, while its continued cries declared the intensity of its sufferings, though they produced no other effect on its unfeeling mother than her having it removed to a more distant apartment, as she could not endure to hear the cross little thing scream so for nothing. On the other hand, the more favoured twin, who was from its birth a remarkably strong, lively infant, and met with all justice from its nurse, throve apace, and was pronounced by her to be the very picture of the bonnie leddy, its mamma. And then, with all the low cunning of her kind, she would launch forth into panegyrics of its beauty, and prophecies of the great dignities and honours that would one day be showered upon it, until, by her fawning and flattery, she succeeded in exciting a degree of interest which nature had not secured for it in the mother's breast. Things were in this situation when, at the end of three weeks, Mr. and Mrs. Douglas arrived to offer their congratulations on the birth of the twins. Lady Juliana received her sister-in-law in her apartment, which she had not yet quitted, and replied to her congratulations only by querulous complaints and childish murmurs. "'I am sure you are very happy in not having children,' continued she, as the cries of the little sufferer reached her ear. "'I hope to goodness I shall never have any more. "'I wonder if anybody ever had twin daughters before. "'And I, too, who hate girls so.' "'Mrs. Douglas, disgusted with her unfeeling folly, "'knew not what to reply, and a pause ensued. "'But a fresh burst of cries from the unfortunate baby "'again called forth its mother's indignation. "'I wish to goodness that child was gagged,' cried she, "'holding her hands to her ears.' It has done nothing but scream since the hour it was born, and it makes me quite sick to hear it. Poor little dear, said Mrs. Douglas compassionately. It appears to suffer a great deal. Suffer, repeated her sister-in-law. What can it suffer? I am sure it meets with a great deal attention than any person in the house. These three old women do nothing but feed it from morning to night, with everything they can think of, and make such a fuss about it. I suspect, my dear sister— you would be very sorry for yourself, said Mrs. Douglas with a smile, were you to endure the same treatment as your poor baby, stuffed with improper food and loathsome drugs, and bandied about from one person to another. You may say what you please, retorted Lady Juliana pettishly, but I know it's nothing but ill temper. Nurse says so, too, and it is so ugly with constantly crying that I cannot bear to look at it and she turned away her head as Miss Jackie entered, red with the little culprit in her arms, which she was vainly endeavouring to talk into silence, while she dandled it in the most awkward, maiden-like manner imaginable. "'Good heavens, what a fright!' exclaimed the tender parent, as her child was held up to her. "'Why, it is much less than when it was born, and its skin is as yellow as saffron, and it squints. Only look what a difference!' as the nurse advanced and ostentatiously displayed her charge, who was just waked out of a long sleep, its cheeks flushed with heat, its skin completely filled up, and its large eyes rolling under its already dark eyelashes. "'The bonnie ween's just her mamma's picter, drawled out the nurse, "'but the wee missy's on colicarantes. "'Take her away,' cried Lady Juliana, in a tone of despair. I wish I could send her out of my hearing altogether, for her noise will be the death of me. Alas! What would I give to hear the blessed sound of a living child, exclaimed Mrs. Douglas, taking the infant in her arms. And how great would be my happiness could I call the poor rejected one mine! 
"'I'm sure you are welcome to my share of the little plague,' said her sister-in-law with a laugh. "'If you can prevail upon Harry to give up his—' "'I would give up a great deal could my poor child find a mother,' replied her husband, who just then entered. "'My dear brother,' cried Mrs. Douglas, her eyes beaming with delight, "'do you then confirm Lady Juliana's kind promise? "'Indeed, I will be a mother to your dear baby and love her as if she were my own. "'And in a month—oh, in much less time—you shall see her as stout as her sister.' Henry sighed as he thought, "'Why has not my poor babe such a mother of its own?' Then, thanking his sister-in-law for her generous intentions, he reminded her that she must consult her husband, as few men like to be troubled with any children but their own. "'You are in the right,' said Mrs. Douglas, blushing at the impetuosity of feeling which had made her forget for an instance the deference due her band. "'I shall instantly ask his permission, and he is so indulgent to all my wishes that I have little doubt of obtaining his consent.' and with a child in her arms she hastened to her husband and made known her request mr douglas received the proposal with considerable coolness wondering what his wife could see in such an ugly squalling thing to plague herself about it if it had been a boy old enough to speak and run about there might be some amusement in it but he could not see the use of a squalling sickly infant and a girl too his wife sighed deeply, and the tears stole down her cheeks as she looked on the wan visage and closed eyes of the little sufferer. "'God help the poor baby,' she said mournfully. "'You are rejected on all hands, but your misery will soon be at an end.' And she was slowly leaving the room with her helpless charge when her husband, touched at the sight of her distress though the feeling that caused it he did not comprehend, called to her, "'I am sure, Alicia,' If you really wish to take charge of the infant, I have no objections. Only I think you will find it a great plague, and the mother is such a fool. Worse than a fool, said Mrs. Douglas indignantly, for she hates and abjures this, her poor unoffending babe. Does she so? cried Mr. Douglas, every kindling feeling roused within him at the idea of his blood being hated and abjured. Then hang me, if she shall have any child of Harry's to hate as long as I have a house to shelter it and a sixpence to bestow upon it, taking the infant in his arms and kindly kissing it. Mrs. Douglas smiled through her tears as she embraced her husband, and praised his goodness and generosity. Then, full of exultation and delight, she flew to impart the success of her mission to the parents of her protégé. Great was the surprise of the maiden nurses at finding they were to be bereft of their little charge. "'I declare I think the child is doing as well as possible,' said Miss Grizzy. "'To be sure it does yammer constantly. That can't be denied. And it is uncommonly small. Nobody can dispute that. At the same time, I am sure, I can't tell what makes it cry, for I've given it two colic powders every day, and a teaspoonful of Lady Maclaughlan's carmative every three hours.' "'And I've done nothing but make water gruel and chop rusks for it,' quoth Miss Nicky, "'and yet it is never satisfied. I wonder what it would be at.' "'I know perfectly well what it would be at,' said Miss Jackie, with an air of importance. "'All this crying and screaming is for nothing else but a nurse. But it ought not to be indulged. There is no end of indulging the desires, and tis amazing how cunning children are, and how soon they know how to take advantage of people's weakness.' glancing an eye of fire at Mrs. Douglas. Were that my child, I would feed her on bread and water before I would humor her fancies. A pretty lesson, indeed, if she's to have her own way before she's a month old. 
Mrs. Douglas knew that it was in vain to attempt arguing with her aunts. She therefore allowed them to wonder and declaim over their sucking pots, colic powders, and other instruments of torture, while she sent to the wife of one of her tenants who had lately lain in, and who wished for the situation of nurse, appointing her to be at Lochmarlie the following day. Having made her arrangements and collected the scanty portion of clothing Mrs. Nurse chose to allow, Mrs. Douglas repaired to her sister-in-law's apartment with her little charge in her arms. She found her still in bed and surrounded with her favorites. "'So you really are going to torment yourself with that little screech-owl?' said she. "'Well, I must say it's very good of you, but I am afraid you will soon tire of her. Children are such plagues. Are they not, my darling?' added she, kissing her pug. "'You will not say so when you have seen my little girl a month hence,' said Mrs. Douglas, trying to conceal her disgust for Henry's sake, who had just then entered the room. "'She has promised me never to cry any more. So give her a kiss, and let us be gone.' The high-bred mother slightly touched the cheek of her sleeping babe, extended her finger to her sister-in-law, and carelessly bidding them good-bye, returned to her pillow and her pugs. Henry accompanied Mrs. Douglas to the carriage, and before they parted he promised his brother to ride over to Lochmarlie in a few days. He said nothing of his child, but his glistening eye and the warm pressure of his hand spoke volumes to the kind heart of his brother, who assured him that Alicia would be very good to his little girl, and that he was sure she would get quite well when she got a nurse. The carriage drove off, and Henry, with a heavy spirit, returned to the house to listen to his father's lectures his aunt's ejaculations, and his wife's murmurs. End of chapter 18 Recording by Patty Cunningham